It is time for Dig Deep on KEXE, KBXE. You hear it on the air and through the podcast. I'm Heidi Holton, and joining me today, Aaron Brown, our liberal commentator. You know him from Minnesota Brown and the Great Northern Radio Show and all those things, and our conservative commentator with a great hat today. That is Chuck Marone, and you know him. He's the CEO and founder of Strong Towns. Thanks, you guys, for being here. We've been talking for the last couple of uh, Dig Deeps and Extras about, of course, what's right in front of us, the election. Turns out Minnesota gets mentioned a lot, even in a national narrative, especially the Iron Range. Let's dig into that one a little bit more about what this means. It's fascinating because the, the things that I have seen nationally is like, is Minnesota the Wisconsin of 2020? And the inference there is the place that has long been considered to be blue and suddenly and unexpectedly switches to becoming red. I feel like this whole national narrative is some is now pointing at us and it's magnifying the Iron Range narrative, which, you know, Aaron, you're neck deep in that. I am. It, it is funny because it, it is really been an uh, equation or a equating of trends in a specific region, and actually a, a rather small one, really. If you talk about the Iron Range in Minnesota, it's it's not a measurable portion of the population of the state. It's not even the most significant population of the 8th Congressional District. Duluth is much bigger. Of course, many more votes are south of Duluth than north of Duluth. And so it's really become, and we like to say, or we were just saying, it's like a meme it's a it's a story kind of with some visual elements and a few phrases attached to it that's taken off and is being shared around the political universe, political press, the the campaigns themselves, and of course on social media as friends and relatives and strangers and enemies argue <laughs> every day, all day on the comments sections of every newspaper and, and TV news site in the country. It's its own thing. The notion that the Iron Range is turning red, and therefore it used to be blue, and so you can do the math. If it turns red, then surely it would follow that the blue state of Minnesota would flip red as well, because math is really the argument that you get. Of course, it's all garbage. It's a logical fallacy wrapped in a few more logical fallacies. The reality is in 2016, the Iron Range did move significantly towards Republicans, especially on the presidential race. President Trump did carry large portions of the range. And that all of those numbers were included in our statewide totals that led to Hillary Clinton winning the state of Minnesota, albeit by a close margin, but with a large third party vote. And so, as I've said on Northern Community Radio, and as, as I've said in our podcast, that you cannot discount the changes, the political changes on the Iron Range. They're happening for real reasons that we can talk about. But the fact is, in 2018, all of those gains that Republicans made statewide were lost back to the Democrats in most of the statewide races. There were no Senate races, but the Democrats got the House back and then they they won all the statewide races. And so which electorate shows up? Is it going to be one that is somehow more conservative, more pro-Trump than the one in 2016? Or is it going to be one more like the one that showed up in 2018? That's what determines what Minnesota does. And in the polling all shows that right now, Trump's chances in Minnesota are pretty small. They exist, but they're small. 
fact, they're worse here than they are in Wisconsin uh, or even Pennsylvania. Uh, Michigan seems to be leaning pretty hard towards the Democrats. But but the point is, Trump's likely to have to look for more electoral votes elsewhere if he wants to win the election. He could win these ones in a wave that moves his way, but this is the reality. Well, that's not the reality that sells political advertising, and it's not the reality that gets campaigns excited. And that's why I mentioned the Iron Range as a meme, because it's really more about a narrative or a story that becomes a symbol. Memes, by the way, we could do a whole episode on memes. Because if you look at political memes, the things that your uncle or your aunt or your cousin share on Facebook that either make you mad or go, yeah, I agree with that, uh, that stuff that gets shared around often of dubious origin or no known origin, it's made by who knows who for who knows why, many times with factual, factually incorrect information or, or really cruel or nasty visual imagery or hyperbole or fallacy. or They go around and around. They're the most shared things on Facebook, for instance, the biggest of the social media outlets. And so this is just another meme. It's an idea that goes around and around and around and becomes its own reality to the people who believe it. I have done a dozen national, international interviews just in the last couple of weeks with people who find me on the internet and say, well, geez, you're this, you actually live in this place. Uh, golly gee, is this all true? Is this is really like it says? And I have to then explain you know, what I just said, which takes a minute. And then they just want to know, is the range turning red and will Donald Trump get reelected because of the Iron Range? And, you know, I kind of doubt it. I, I kind of doubt that that will be why if he does get reelected. But that's not fun. And, and then it puts me in this weird position. I've lived on the range my whole life. I've written books about the range. I love it. I'm from it. I have this family history. I can recite the old mining locations and I can talk about political events over the last hundred years. And it's all very personal to me. And then I have to tell the national media that we're not that important, which I hate to say because we are important because the human lives here have value and the stories here have value. But these aren't the real stories and these aren't the real human lives. This is a story that is being perpetuated by, a, frankly, a campaign, President Trump's campaign and his allies and the national media who really want this race to be close enough to sell newspapers and subscriptions and ads, more like it, online ads. So they need this race to be close and they need there to be some drama. Minnesota would provide some drama. And, and miners with hard hats who uh, have Trump flags and are yelling uh, make good TV. So that's, I think, what this is about. Well, I also think you're providing a narrative for people who may be marginal voters to show up and vote. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of the support that the president is counting on to win this election and this is shocking for a, someone who's an incumbent, is going to be people who haven't voted before. Um, he's actually counting on people who are generally non-voters to show up and vote for him. And the idea is, you know, if you could put your state over the top in a way that hasn't happened before, uh, that would, would be a thing that would motivate you. So that becomes part of the, the campaign mm -hmm. meme. My wife is in media, so I have to be a little bit careful how I say what I'm going to say now, because I'm going to say something about media that I think is true, but maybe not flattering. The three of us are old enough now and have been in enough situations where there have been reporters at meetings or people who are covering issues that we know well. We read the news, we see the news, and, and we're like, wow, okay, I'm informed. I just read this. And then we go to something where we intimately know it, or you are at the meeting where the reporter reports on it, or it's a topic that you're like really deep on. And you read it and you're like, well, that's not right. You know, that... That's like kind of superficial. That doesn't, 
And so it's, it's a strange thing because we can read a story about how California is this deep blue progressive state. Um, we can read a story about how Southern Florida is now, you know, Trump territory because of all the Cubans. And we can read a story about how Ohio is this battleground state, but you know, a very conservative place. We can believe that story. Like we can believe like if I go to California and I go to an In-N-Out burger, I'm just gonna meet a bunch of liberal progressives everywhere. And then we read a thing about the Iron Range and we're like, no, it's way more complex than that. There's a lot of nuance here. Maybe it might tip a little bit to where the district would go red, but my gosh, like I can't walk down the street without having, you know, this person over there who I know or that. And, and, and so we grasp that we are this complex, nuanced organism. Our conversation is so deep and, and there's so much going on and you can't just capture in a soundbite. But I know everything about California because I read in this, uh, you know, article all about them. And I know everything about Florida. I feel like the takeaway here is that the nuance that we experience is the same nuance that everybody else experiences. You can go to California and run into all kinds of people who are very, very conservative. And a landslide in California is still a 60-40, 65-35 liberal conservative split. They have a lot of Trump supporters there. They have a lot of people who are conservative. They have a lot of people who vote Republican in California, just like we have, you know, a lot of nuance. I do think there's the sense that when it aggregates up and can be turned into a meme, it's very real that you can flip districts and you can flip areas and you can flip states. And because of the way the electoral college magnifies that flip, it seems like you've gone like binary, like you've gone from zero to one, or you've gone from lights off to lights on, like it's a condition. When the reality on the ground is it's this more smoothing nuance, mm -hmm. uh, you know, where, where, where that, you know, that simplification is just not there. And I, I feel like the takeaway here is that we have to respect that the rest of the country is this way too, right? Absolutely. 35% of California's votes are still many millions of, of people right. who, who yes. don't comport with the stereotype. Yeah. Right. And that's true just about everywhere. And the other thing is because the range is so small, if you go from 70-30 to 50-50, which is what happened in 2016, that sounds like a lot, but it's a few thousand people. You can go and talk to those people and you'll hear a lot of the same things about why they switched. A lot of it has to do with mining and the environmental, but really a lot of it is cultural, the notion that external forces are out to get them. That's not new. It's just that in the old days, the external forces coming to get them, were those were ascribed to Republicans. And, and something culturally happened. Frankly, Democrats themselves started it by saying that they were fighting the environmentalists in the Twin Cities in the DFL caucus. And then all of a sudden, when some of those environmentally conscious senators started winning leadership positions, and when the state campaigns no longer begged for the blessing of the Iron Range, like the old days, you know, a lot of those folks were taught to hate those groups said, well, okay, the Republicans are offering us a home where we don't even have to think about the environment. So why would we bother with the DFL? And so that's a few thousand people. Are they right or wrong is not the point. The point is that it's explainable. It's measurable. It does matter in terms of especially local races as legislative races are going to get tighter over the next 10 years. They won't be as overwhelmingly democratic. Already Itasca County and Crow Wing County, where Chuck is. I mean, those used to be swing areas that are now pretty solidly Republican. And so that's happened. We can document that. But it's a little drop in the bucket of what's changing all over the state of Minnesota. 
city of Minneapolis added a whole state Senate district, at least in the pre-census estimates. Now the census is all messed up, so we don't know what'll really happen. But it was adding that many people to its population such that that district was going to come right probably out of the heart of northern Minnesota in the redistricting in two years, and it was going to go right into the into the heart of Minneapolis. It was it's very it's going likely to be a Republican seat. Yeah, and now it's going to be a Democratic seat. So. It's very likely we could lose a congressional district. We and, could. It's and, now very likely with the census situation. And, right. And so it'll be seven districts and then one less electoral vote to go with it. And, um, that, and that's, that's likely happening. to be a, a rural district, I, yeah. I, I, I think you could say. Well, you have to draw it where people are. That's the problem that rural Minnesota has is uh, we have this tradition, we have these stories, and we have these industries that are important. Farming and mining are no less important to our overall economy. Mines are still producing the same amount of iron ore today as they did before. It's just they're doing it with fewer people. Farmers are the same way. And so these important places in their stories are being lost to the popular, literally popular reality of, of people migrating towards the metro area, which is a something it's 60 some 60 some percent of the population of the state of the voters in the next election are within the seven county metro area. And that leads to the kind of resentment that you see in the politics of the rural Minnesota, which is like, you know, we might vote for a Democrat, but we aren't going to vote for anybody that's for them, the the Twin Cities. We're not going to vote for anybody who's going to lord over us or or try to tell us how to do things because then we lose all control and power. We already feel powerless with our communities declining and our schools declining. Why would we want to give up more power to other people? And, and that's what I see on the range. That's why I see more people maybe trending towards a Trump or a or a Stauber. Why the Stauber himself is playing right into his messaging is, is purely that. His ads are, here, I'll, I got to do an olive branch to the, the Republican Party and the other side, so to speak, for, for me, is that Stauber's running a great campaign. He's going to win. He's playing into that messaging very well. That's what you see happening. Now, like Chuck said, with all that nuance that we see in ourselves, uh, we also have to recognize that there's nuance in others. And that, I'm afraid, the, the hard message is that Iron Range has to look at the outside world and say, you know what, they're not one thing either. And in fact, this economy is complicated. Whether or not your mining job still exists in 10 years is complicated. And voting for Donald Trump isn't necessarily the thing that will preserve it. There's something else happening that may preserve it, but that's not it. And so that's the part that's so frustrating as the calls come in because nobody's got the time to explain that. Heck, we don't even know ourselves exactly what that will look like, but we know it's complicated. And I think that's a good attitude to take, which is try to accept the complexity of the world as it is and control what you can control. And that's that's a hard message for individuals, much less systems. It's so, sort of my least favorite reporting during election time, you know, is what might be happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right. we just, we don't know a lot of this. We don't know people are going to go to the polls. We don't, it just, and it's just over and over and over again of what, you know, even last, as we talk, you know, this is the week of the first presidential debate, even that, all the media coverage before, what's it going to be like? How did they prep? But, you know, not, it's not newsworthy at that point, no. you know? And so in the end, it, it, most of the I had the, I caught a little bit of the pre-debate analysis. Um, I was watching ABC, so there were 12 different talking heads being pulled <laughs> in. You know, here's Chris Christie and here's some other people I hadn't heard of and some other people. They're all saying the things you would expect and 
bloviating and doing the thing. And then the debate happens. And if you watch the debate, you know it was a hot mess of whatever that was. And then after the debate, oh, that was a really bad debate, blah, blah, blah. But all of the pre-debate analysis was useless. It was of no use. None of it mattered. It's entertainment. It's entertainment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because four years ago, my wife and I, my family, we moved from Cass County to Crow Wing County. We moved like 10 miles into the city, into the heart of Brainerd. And that put us in a different state legislative district. So all of a sudden now my state representative was Josh Heitzman. And running against him at the time was Quinn Nystrom, who's now running against Pete Stauber in, in, in District 8 for the congressional seat. I did not know this district. I mean, I, I mean, I knew it vaguely. It's it's my hometown. So I, you know, I know like, like but I didn't really know these candidates. And, and most importantly, I, I had no real sense of how this election was going to go. And everywhere in my neighborhood was Quinn Nystrom signs. Quinn Nystrom was like, it was like every other house. And it wasn't like one sign. It had like 10 signs. And she was having like lawn speaking parties with people and come and have cookies with Quinn and, you know, all this stuff. And it was just, and I'm thinking this woman is running a great campaign. She is going to win by a landslide. Uh, this is crazy. And the reality is, is when we got to election day, she got like 34 some percent of the vote and she got killed. Um, she lost by a wide, wide margin. It wasn't even close. What I was, is I was getting the meme from my mm -hmm. neighborhood. <laughs> which I was now getting to intimately know. And the meme from my neighborhood might have represented the views of my neighborhood, but it didn't represent the complexity and the nuance of the entire district, which was very different than what my neighborhood was. I think we have to look at ourselves as, you know, living in this place uh, and, and have to understand kind of our relationship to these larger memes and these larger trends and just respect the fact that, yeah, it's really complex. And so is every place else. That's Chuck Marone. He's our conservative commentator. It's Dig Deep. We've also got Aaron Brown. So let's kind of move into that, go into the complexity about how we talk about these elections, how we talk about these issues, and how it affects how we think.